Anybody tell you that I miss practice? I made my mistakes. If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. And y'all hear it, then that's that. Don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West? Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. There's no words there. Well, I'm not a crook. What does that mean, to play us out? I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. What is... I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Hey everybody, this is Robert uh, from the Lob the Jam, the podcast, and Clips Nation. I'm here on a new podcast today, uh, Same Old Clippers, with Lewis Keene, who is a contributing writer at Real GM, and the founder, editor, writer, everything of Unstatable, which is a Clippers newsletter. Uh, this is going to be a new podcast we're going to run on a hopefully weekly basis, which is going to be somewhat different than our usual podcast. Uh, a bit more lighthearted, a bit more jokey. We'll talk about non-Clippers teams quite a bit more. Uh, but yeah, Lewis, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, talk about how you watch the NBA, your Clippers fandom, all, all that jazz. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm actually I'm on my way to a uh, Halloween party after this, and my costume is a lifelong Clippers fan, which means I'll be wearing a Clippers sweatshirt, a Clipper hat, a uh, Clipper jersey on top of a Laker jersey. So really looking forward to that. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I like um, not just watching the NBA from, you know, the X's and O's perspective that people are all hype about uh, on Twitter these days, but also just, I don't know, uh, covering the, the aesthetic uh, portion of the game, which is which by which I mean basically how handsome different players are, which, <laughs> which teams uh, uh, have actually pose uh, an aesthetic threat to our uh, hegemon in LA, and uh, you know any way that you can shit talk the the worst people in LA, uh, and throughout my life. I've been doing that through um, the lens of criticizing Lakers fans, but uh, you know, I, I, I know no limit to that in general. So as you'll see in this podcast, we're going to have a segment about disrespecting, uh, <laughs> disrespecting NBA teams, disrespecting fan bases, uh, because look, this is now our power as Clipper fans, uh, as the currently undefeated, although uh, we may have, only four minutes uh, and 15 seconds left in that, that part of the season, but currently undefeated LA Clippers. Um, so yeah, this, this podcast should be a lot of fun and uh, we're not going to take it too seriously, but uh, ultimately the whole thing is dead serious. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're recording while a Clippers game is going on. Cause uh, you know, we, we take the, the Clippers game against the sun super seriously here. Lots of- <laughs> <laughs> Lou Williams just hit a three on one end and then drew a charge on the other end. Lou Williams, you know, classic uh, defender type, gritty. Uh, yeah, we, we think of him as one of the NBA's elite two-way players. A term that's kind of ridiculous every time I think about it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're just going to get started just by roasting people. <laughs> uh, starting, starting with the Lakers fan base, uh, their entire crew. That, just, they just have an awful aesthetic. Like, 
Can we talk about how boring they've been to watch this year? You have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis, you're going to run like 80% post-ups. What are you doing? Yeah, it's brutal over there. Their their situation is not good. And I've actually been thinking about this. Like, I was going to ask you this question earlier. Um, Do you think that Doc Rivers, as coach of the Lakers, that team would be better than Frank Vogel coaching this Clipper team? Ooh. Hmm. If both teams are fully healthy, probably not. I think the Clippers just have so much more talent, but it would be a lot closer because Doc is a really good coach and Frank Vogel is uh is not. <laughs> I just don't get why. Like, what is so complicated about running LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and rolls like fifteen times a game? Like that, right? Like uh, looking at their most important plays of uh, like with two minutes left of the Laker Clipper game, the. Lakers were down eight or ten points, and they had the ball. And they put Anthony Davis in the corner, and LeBron basically runs isolation. Uh, it turns into a miss, like, Kent Tavis, Caldwell Pope, or Troy Daniels three-pointer. And then the Clippers basically had the ball for the next minute, and then the game ended. And it's like, man, if that's, like, your do-or-die possession of the game, and it's just like a LeBron James isolation, like, what have you been doing during training camp? Basically, what we're saying is that the Lakers stink and Wally stink. <laughs> well, they beat Utah, which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Uh, but after they played the Lakers, it's like, man, this team really needs – after they played the Clippers, it's like, man, they, this team really needs Kyle Kuzma to be, like, a really good, good player. Yeah, which is – I mean, I, I like Kuzma well enough. I mean, he's super overrated just in national circles because he's a Clipper and I mean, because he's a Laker and is outgoing. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's a solid player. He'll help them because their bench really stinks, but. Uh, well, he can do a lot of different things offensively. Uh, yeah. And then like defensively, he's tall. <laughs> Which helps. So, like, people like think of that as being like a, a defensive qualifier. Um, but, you know, they were given like the fourth quarter started, and I think they had Quinn Cook, Contavious, Caldwell Pope, LeBron, Dudley, and like the ghost of Mo Wagner or something like that. Like, they sent out real quick over there. And, uh, you know, they, they need everyone to play up, which in the Eastern conference, when you had LeBron on your team, like everyone just played up, you know, you'd get like, you'd get Booby Gibson playing well, you know, but Love the Booby Gibson. those guys get exposed really quickly. Quick, Cook mean, was, you know, quick, if Quinn Cook is knocking down shots, you know, he can be a thing for them, but it's Quinn Cook still at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, ultimately we don't, we don't trash talk Booby Gibson on this pod. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this is a safe place for Booby Gibson talk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, probably enough about the Lakers. I mean, I think we actually have some minor disagreements on the Clippers too, which is that I think there's been some overreaction towards them through the first couple games this season, which we've seen a little bit up tonight in that uh, I think the Lakers did not play well. They kind of looked out of sorts. And then the Warriors just looked real thin um, and are a bad matchup for this, this Clippers team. And, I think there's just been a ton of reactions about the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. Like, they're going to be unstoppable when Paul George comes back. It's a long season. Um, you know, we've seen good starts and bad starts not mean much before. And I think there are definitely still some things to work out with this Clippers team. 
Uh, as we kind of saw tonight, they were not good defensively at all. Um, you know, the offense got very stagnant at times. And I just, I don't know. I think they're always overreactions, but I, I think they're a bit higher on them and uh, on how the, the early season speaks about them than I am. No, dude. Yeah, they're, come on. This is the, this is, this team, as far as I'm concerned, and I may be a little bit behind in streaming this game, but as far as I'm concerned, this team is still going 82 and 0, and I'm not laughing as I say that. And uh, let's see what the actual score is as we come back from commercial break. Are they showing <laughs> a Devin Booker three pointers right now? Don't worry about that though. Uh, the <laughs> they they are by far the best team in the league, and if you look at them as like what team matches up with them, it's going to need to be a team that like really outplays their starting lineup. Because once the bench comes in, the teams are just going to hemorrhage points. Oh yeah, they're down by they're down by nine with <laughs> three minutes to go. Uh, but pay no pay no mind to them. Teams are going to have to like come out when 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 Kawhi and Paul George come out of the game. Teams are going to need to have a lead against the Clippers because the depth that they are bringing in right now is really good and. It's possible to do that. I think uh, there's one NBA team that can hang with them in a seven-game series, but they play in the Eastern Conference, um, and that's the Sixers. But yep. Yep. Um, I think teams with good size um, that can create problems like by making Ivica Zubats play defense for 30 feet instead of just like 15 yeah. Um, we'll give the Clippers problems. Um, I think teams that can, like, make the most out of time that Mo Harkless is on the floor uh, will have success against the Clippers. But, I mean, the depth is no joke with them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the depth is a joke. I just think, you know, there's been kind of a rush to crown them as, like, the undisputed favorites this season. I think that's... It's early. I mean, I think they're going to be really, really good. I think if they're healthy and everything is clicking, they have the most top-to-bottom talent, um, and they could be the best team in the NBA. I just think, you know, extrapolating too much from the first two games of the season is is not wise. Um, but I'm also – I've been called Eeyore on, on our other podcast <laughs> <laughs> due to my uh, pessimistic outlook on, on the Clippers. On, not on life, I, I would say, but just on the Clippers. Been burned a couple too many times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I just think, you know, there have been overreactions too much one way or the other. But, you know, there are teams that haven't been overreacted to enough. And with that, I, I think you should kick off the, the first uh, segment of the show with some disrespect uh, given and uh, take it away. Yeah, so every week uh, on this podcast, we're going to be disrespecting one NBA team and there's one team which is perennially disrespected um, for good reason, and that team is the Utah Jazz. And so this, this week, we're going to be disrespecting <laughs> the Utah Jazz. I've heard a lot about how this team um, has the size and has the timing and even the depth to be real threats in the Western Conference. Rob, is this team better than Portland? I don't know. I mean, Damian Lillard is by far the best player on either of those two teams. When in doubt, you kind of go with the best player. 
I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the Jazz, like, who, who are they? They're relying on, like, a, an old Mike Conley. They're relying on Bojan Bogdanovic, who's, like, you know, hey, probably hey, one hey. of there's no disrespect for Boyan Bogdanovich on this podcast. <laughs> Everybody but Boyan. <laughs> they have yeah, Jeff Green and Amin. Boyan Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich on this podcast. You know what? Okay, we'll take a different tack. They're relying on Jeff Green and Emmanuel Moutier as rotation players this year. That's rough. Yeah, you never oh. – You that's like having Jeff Green by himself, except you're also compounding it with Emmanuel Moutier. It's it's truly brutal. It's and, and here's the thing: I I have uh, reported on NBA games. I will report again, and I am reporting right now. And Jeff Green, it was my welcome to an NBA locker room. We're not all nice people moment. And uh, you know, on NBA Twitter, there's no shortage of disrespect for Jeff Green, except for the occasional thing about how he's overcome a lot in his life. But um, even people who have overcome a lot in their life uh, can be, you know, snide. (laughs) So (laughs) every time he takes a mid-range shot or misses a three, or even when Jeff Green shows a little bit of his potential, you know, I, I, I take heart because, you know, the world does not always... Uh, show itself to be a place of justice but in Jeff Green's case I think of his disrespect to me and can enjoy the justice that the world meets out on his errant jump shooting and poor (laughs) defense and uh, you know abhorrent lack of spirit lack of spirit is, is definitely a good term for Jeff Green just always just looking the exact same up 30 down 30. And that's not a good thing. Like you should look upset if your team is getting blown out. You should be happy if your team is up. Jeff Green's just sitting there, you know, emotionless. Not in the. Kawhi just cut it to six. 94 seconds left. And (laughs) yeah, I mean. What do you think of Kawhi taking Shea Gilgis Alexander's jersey number? I hate it. You know, Shea earned that jersey. Shea looks like a star. Uh, Jay disrespected the Jazz, um, or will disrespect the Jazz. Um, I I hope he torches them until the end of eternity. Watching Shay outplay Donovan Mitchell and be infinitely cooler than Donovan Mitchell could ever be, it's great. You know, I I was having a blast watching that game, watching Mitchell, like, chuck up 26-footers while Shay is just doing, like, one-handed layups from eight feet away from him. Yeah, like – it's incredible. Like I don't, I don't know how he's able to finesse those shots, but he does. Like, he's just, he's cool as hell, and uh, way cooler than anybody on the Jazz could ever hope to be. I mean, just I disrespect everybody on the Jazz, you know, except for your guy Bogdanovich. I'll, I'll hold on. Correct. And I, I, he's safe in Oklahoma City. Safe? You know, yeah, he, you know, he's he's not a he's not a threat right now. He, he's just growing. You know what? Shea Gilgis-Alexander is like a – he's like an alternate universe Blake Griffin situation. Mm. Blake Griffin was on the Clippers. He had this, like, huge rookie season. And then immediately they bring in Chris Paul, curtailing his development and just sort of forcing him into a specific box of the kind of player he could be. 
and like forcing him to conform to just like winning team practices. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander had a much less spectacular rookie season, but like comparably promising one. And instead of being, you know, inundated with huge megastar talent when Kawhi Leonard signed, he switched teams so he could keep his own team. And instead of Shea Gilgis' team being the Clippers, it's just going to be the Thunder. And so he's going to get to grow and, like, expand his game and fuck up a bunch um, with Oklahoma City in a way that he would not have gotten to um, in L.A. And I think a lot of of Clipper fans, including myself, are like, man, we just kept him, like, uh," and we'll probably be that way forever. But I think also – it's unrealistic to think that he would have been able to expand his game at the right pace mm-hmm. with the Clippers that he will be able to with uh, Oklahoma City. And the irony is Shea Gilgis Alexander is being paired with the same player that Blake Griffin was. Except now Chris Paul is like old and washed and sad and right. depressing, extremely depressing. So, and, and they play different positions. So it should be, I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch this season. And maybe yeah. I'll end up talking about it. I, I'm going to watch a lot of the Thunder. I tweeted about this yesterday. I mean, it's the yin and the yang. You watch Shea Gilgis-Alexander, so exciting. Then you have to watch, like, Dennis Schroeder chuck up 15-footers and not play defense and just generally be awful at basketball. Uh, yeah. So you'll, you'll win some, you'll lose some. Uh, wow. But... Well, the disrespect wanted, is not over. Oh, you wanted to you wanted to go somewhere else? Oh, we'll we'll keep disrespecting. <laughs> um, I had I was talking hoops um, with Mike Prada a few years ago, and it was right around the time that Dennis Schroeder uh, got extended, mm-hmm. and you know who else got ex- like got a big deal, and you know who else got a big deal at the, like pretty much the exact same time. Wasn't that 2016? Was that everybody? Kentavious Caldwell Pope got one like the same week. Like they both got big new deals. So Kentavious Caldwell Pope got like, I think he got, or I don't remember what what the numbers are, but he got a deal. And then uh, Schroeder got a deal like right within the same week. And both of those have just like not panned out. And you'll see with this, with, with the next like extension class, like Jalen Brown's a classic example. Um, Lavert just got one, but much smaller. There's going to be there. Are, there's a bunch of guys that seem like they're the next crop of talent that are you know about to break out, and some of them just don't. <laughs> I can see. Uh, there's a little bit of KCP and Jalen Brown, for sure. Like Maybe more defender. than a little. Maybe a lot. Yeah, like good defender. Uh, you know, theoretical three-point range. Clippers about to lose this game. Oh yeah, they are. They really are. You're dribbling this shit out on us. This is disrespectful. You hate to see it. You truly, you truly hate to see it. What, what, uh, do, you think, what do you think of Patrick Patterson? Because he's been hitting threes. I don't trust it. Seems like this does not scale. I don't. I don't trust it at all. Um, 
I think I think he probably was in a bad situation in OKC. I think he'll be useful for, you know, if the Clippers ever need him on like 10 minutes a game just to throw him out there, I think he'll be fine. But in terms of like the game that he had against the Warriors ever happening again this year, no, I, I don't think so. Um, he looks really slow out there. Like, yeah, extremely slow. Um, and he's playing power forward now. I don't know if he's even quick enough to guard centers. And uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a big issue. Uh, he's only like 32, and he looks – he's just aged real weirdly. Like his best year was like when he was age 24 with the Raptors, God, like the early part of this decade. It just He's had a very odd career. But, uh, I mean, I think for like a 13th man, he's great. But, uh, you know, for – for, considering he's a starter, I just I don't get that. I think I think Jermichael Green should be starting. Um, he's better than Patterson at like everything. So I don't know. Like I, I mean, I get having Lou and Trez, and you want to keep that group together, and Green fits in really well with them. But like at the same time, I feel like starting Zubats and Patterson together is just it's not a great offensive duo to have out there, especially like with. Pat Beverly, who is great, but not, you know, the most offensively adept playmaker, shot creator. You have three guys, and then Shamit is not really much better, who don't really create their own offense at all. And in Patterson, can't really even finish offense, really, outside of just open threes. So I think that starting lineup needs to change. I think it was actually a big part of the, the struggle today against the Suns. I think the starting lineup was off to a horrible start in first and third quarters, and the Clippers never really were able to recover. Like, the bench, we saw it last year, too. The bench can't save you from every single game. And, you know, you need a balanced starting lineup. And I think Patterson was a solid addition for what he was. But, I mean, I, I just don't get the starting thing. And I think he's, he's like, ended. He's, like, found money. Like, we kind of just sort yeah. of got him at the end of free agency. Yeah. No one else really wanted him. He shot 30% last year. I was pretty surprised to see him start. Um, but every three he knocks down is like another 10 minutes that he ends up playing, you know? So the question is going to be like, what ends up getting him moved out of the starting lineup? Paul George's return, maybe? Well, yeah, but that might not be for 10, 15 games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was pretty like, – I, was... I don't think the regular season really matters with this team, but – it's also just from the enjoyment of watching the game. You know, you don't. Uh, You're an aesthetic man. I'm an aesthetic man. Look at me. I'm wearing a Andrew Bynum jersey. Okay. <laughs> Leg- legendary uh, taste and uh, really just a classy guy, Andrew Bynum. You know. Um, he's a great. He's a great human being and an even better bowler. I would like to bowl with Andrew Bynum. Uh, that's my bucket list. Uh, but, you know, the, the disrespect, as I was going to mention, is not done because the shittiest team in the NBA so far has been the Sacramento Kings. And yeah. they deserve to be the shittiest uh, because of their shitty head coach. And now let's dunk on Luke Walton for a bit, who's a bad coach. And, a shitty uh, coach and an even worse person. Yes, precisely. And, uh, you know... The Kings just had such a great opportunity to just be like, no, we're going to take a stand against this. Like, this guy did something awful. Uh, you know, we're going to cut him off. We just signed him, but we're going to take a stand. We're going to do something good. If they'd done that, you know, they'd be having that moral karma in their favor right now. I bet they'd be 2-1. and one. 
maybe even three now. Instead, they're own three. They're getting blown out. Probably not, but whatever. <laughs> it depends how much they're paying Harrison Barnes. God, I just Vlade. I just I can't with Vlade. Like I mean, the guy is a legend, but Harrison Barnes trade is the most like frustrating trade for and just like overall NBA fan. I I, I don't know what else has been as sad just the kings were such a fun team like they had their their guard rotation was De'Aaron fox who's the fastest player in the nba buddy healed who is the most handsome player in the nba and bogdan bogdanovich who i don't even have words for at this point swaggy b is what we're calling him and not that Harrison Barnes is a guard, not that Harrison Barnes is a guard, but he comes in and he soaks up a bunch of minutes from Swaggy B and Buddy Healed, and Harrison Barnes is like the least watchable, decent player in the NBA. And like Harrison Barnes is great in the community; he's you know very woke socially. Yep. Um, He's a good dude. He's a Carolina guy. But his arrival just ripped the heart out of my man Swaggy B. And it's made that team just – it's just – it has completely disintegrated that team's very handsome identity and replaced it with something much more staid and uh, Walton-esque. That's a, that's the thing. They fired, they fired Dave Yeager and they brought in a supposedly handsome coach. You don't need handsome at the coaching position. (laughs) Uh, Who needs that? I mean, lots of great NBA coaches aren't handsome. Handsome. It's a, it's a player. it just needs to be to the right of Van Gundy, you know? Just slightly – what's the handsomeness above Van Gundy? H-A-V-G, the new coaching metric. Let me think. Look, it doesn't need to be Reggie Theus. Reggie Theus, <laughs> very handsome coach. Uh, Luke Walton, blue eyes. Kind of creeps everyone out now, but um, – Related, you know, his dad was cool, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's just... sad. It's sad because the the Kings, their over under this season was thirty seven and a half. You know, that's attainable for a group this talented. But now Marvin Bagley's hurt. No disrespect for the Kings at this point, but uh, also I disrespect for Luke Walton. You know, yeah. David Yeager is enjoying this. Yeah, Dave Yeager is definitely enjoying it. And uh, I hope Luke Walton gets fired soon and uh, never coaches in the NBA again. That'll be, that'll be pretty great. It'll be a pretty great outcome of all this. Um, but yeah, there are just a couple other teams. Uh, the Kings, I, they'll be better, but um, they had a really bad summer between bringing Walton, getting rid of Yeager, signing Ariza, who was putrid last season. 
for the Wizards and Suns. Just what is Ariza doing in the NBA at this? Like what? Like I'm cur- Like I'd be curious to find out like what he's after at this point. Like I, it's hard for me to believe that he's just collecting checks. I think he might enjoy the running into other dudes part and just kind of from a. <laughs> You know, just kind of get into, you know, seeing the next generation with Sacramento, that might be appealing. But, like, a lot of the time on the court, he just does not seem like he really wants to be there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, can't, I can't believe that it's just, like, a chilling with Luke Walton thing. I just don't think that's it. And I know they have, like, the Arizona connection, and Luke Walton has talked about that. Yeah. I think it could be a paycheck thing. I mean, I don't know. If I was getting paid, I think he's – is he getting $10 million a year, $15 million a year? If I was getting that much money a year, like, I'd, I'd fucking keep doing another job I wasn't even that crazy about and hanging out with Luke Walden. Uh, I'm not getting that much. I'm getting almost that much to do this podcast. But I can tell you, if the money wasn't there, I'd still be doing it. Yeah, it's, it's all about the love of the game. All about the love of the game. You know what team is fun as shit to watch is the Raptors. They are fun as shit to watch, and I don't – I know a lot of people in the Clipper universe, which is only, you know – And people. people. Uh, But some people in the Clipper universe have been discussing bringing in, like, Marcus Saul at the the trade deadline. I don't think the Raptors are going to be dealing at the trade deadline. That team is fun. They have a lot of momentum in the city of Canada, and I think uh, they will not – be interested in parting with Marcus all for a paltry sum, let alone uh, buying him out. I just, I don't see yeah. that. Uh, no, I mean, I, they won't buy him out because they could get something for him. And for, I don't, what, what do the Clippers have to offer? Like Zubats and Jerome Robinson? Like I just. They have to offer Terrence Mann, but, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. I, but, I don't know. I can't see it. Yeah, I mean, it was, and his salary is also huge. I mean, the Clippers would have to match a lot in. I don't, a Zubots wouldn't be enough. It would have to be Zubots and Jerome, and I think it would have to be like somebody else too, because Gasol's making a lot of money. So I just, I don't think that trade is feasible, and I don't think the Raptors are going to deal him. Um, yeah, I mean, they're fun. They're, they're fun. They're going to be really good. Like, they're probably going to be a top four seed in the East this yep. year. Like, I think so. It's going to be Sixers, Bucks. Probably Celtics. I'd say Raptors. I would have the Raptors as the fourth or fifth best team. Um, Siakam is going to be probably all NBA this year, like all yeah. defense. Yeah. Yeah, he's like one of the top five best players in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, All-star this year? Rob, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think that's a pretty – Right now, in my heart, he's an all-star. In my heart, he's an all-star too, you know. I love a, sh- a great short basketball player. Uh, everyone is t- Fred VanVleet is taller now that everyone else has gotten shorter. That's true. Anthony Although, Davis is no longer a foot taller than Fred VanVleet. He's now like nine inches or ten inches taller than Fred VanVleet. Yeah, I mean Fred VanVleet wasn't one to lie about his height. He just accepted who he was as a you know a sub six foot man and uh, and ruled he with bet it. On himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, Proud Wichita State grad. Uh, it's, I'll tell you what. If the if the NBA height rules existed when Fred Van Vliet was eligible for the draft, he would not have gone undrafted. 
I mean, it's just insane to me watching this dude play that he went undrafted. Yeah. I mean, I think that happens to short point guards like every year. Yeah. It's, it's just like people are small. It, height is the most overrated thing in the NBA, I'd say. Mm. I think it's the single most. Wingspan is close, but it's like, like Grant Williams fell in the draft because he was like six foot five or six foot six, and he basically plays like a big man. But guess what? Like Grant Williams is good as shit at basketball and is also incredibly fun and awesome. Like people should have taken him higher instead of drafting, you know, whoever shitty players they drafted <laughs> above him. Like, you know, sometimes being good at basketball is kind of the most important thing. It's like the Terrence Mann thing, you know, can he shoot? Not really, but he's smart. Uh, you know, he's a good defender and he's a good passer. Like, He's just good at, at playing basketball, and sometimes it's more valuable than wingspan and athleticism. Like, Andrew Wiggins is out here bricking, like, 25 shots a game despite looking for all the world like a great basketball player. And tying this full circle, you know, it's the Jeff Green syndrome. You know, aesthetic matters, smarts matter. Like, being just good at basketball is more important than being able to throw down, like, a couple flashy dunks. I think there's also a thing for teams that draft, and you're seeing a lot of – you're seeing, look at New Orleans, for example. They have three or four guys who are now on their second team and just killing. And there are a bunch of guys who need to arrive to the NBA on one team, work out a lot of their kinks, and then go to a second team and just become the player they're supposed to be. And uh, you look at Who's that uh, forward on Memphis? Brandon. They just drafted Clark. him. Brandon, Brandon Clark. Clark. And like Brandon Clark's the opposite of that because he played a few years in college. He comes back now to Memphis and he's ready to go and mm-hmm. they can use him right away. Another classic example of that, Malcolm Brogdon comes in, he's ready to play right away. Milwaukee doesn't even get him for the second contract. He goes and gets paid in Indiana and now he's playing great there. But if you look at the value that he provided Milwaukee, it doesn't matter to them what he does in Indiana. It matters to them what he's able to do when they first draft. So like if some of these teams that draft these high upside guys don't even get the good part of them. D'Angelo Russell, like they drafted him second overall, had a lot of potential. They didn't even get to use him for the part that he was really great. And you can come up with a million examples of this. So there's definitely uh, – market inefficiency and guys who are just capable of playing right away and there's i don't know if it's height or wingspan or potential or whatever it is but a lot of these guys aren't on the team anymore by the time they become good and it's not that the teams were wrong uh by the time they figured it out it's sometimes that that change of scene is necessary for them to figure out who they're supposed to be and i know that that's happened i think I think people can relate to that on a non-basketball level. Um, I know you're just coming out of school now. At my first job, like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, what is this place? I was very social. I was having a great time. I was wearing my Andrew Bynum jersey, you know. And I, like, it took me a while to figure out what normal work behavior and, like, my own discipline look like and it took me leaving that job to figure it out and now just yet just um just yesterday i'm meeting with uh one of my bosses 
And uh, he was like, oh, you should come in for a meeting on Thursday. And I was like, well, uh, what's the agenda? And he's like, no agenda. Well, you know, we'll talk about it. And I was like, why would I come in for a meeting that doesn't have an agenda? I never would have said that without working at my shitty ass job for two years that I eventually left. So I think for a lot of people, especially guys who play for the Phoenix Suns, they come up in an environment, they're like, what is this? This is not how it's supposed to work. They leave, they say, oh, some of this was actually practical. Some of this, uh, you know, was, was bullshit. And then I'll figure out what's, what's best for me. You know what's even better is when players go to the Suns and they get better because their previous situation was even worse. Like Kelly Oubre Jr. The Kelly Oubre situation. This is <laughs> Kelly Oubre. We can chart which teams are like the least competent by like which, like by how he performs on various teams. This is a guy who's among the most objectively attractive people in the NBA. He could go to the New York Knicks and just wash out over one season in the New York City nightlife. Same thing if he played for the Lakers, like in the Jordan Clarkson era. Oh, yeah. He goes to Phoenix, a place that is completely lacking. All of a sudden, he's hashtag Valley Boys, hashtag Now the Suns, they knock off the Warriors, or they knock off the Bucks twice last season. Now he's knocked off the Clippers. The Suns are now, are they Clippers? Are they Clippers East to you? Who is the Clippers East <laughs> of the NBA to you right now? The last year Clippers East, uh, the Suns honestly look like a good bet three games in. And honestly, I, I love Valley Boys. Valley Boys is a legendary nickname for a group of men <laughs> on a professional basketball team. <laughs> I don't know how they came up with that. Uh, I mean, I know it's like in a valley and, you know, I guess they're all men, but Valley Boys truly stroke of inspiration whoever thought of that nickname uh the suns are a good bet for that um honestly the grizzlies might be this year like i don't know if they're gonna win that many games but they're gonna compete they're gonna they're gonna be tough to beat i think um yeah i think so i mean they have clark they have jaron jackson who's awesome um jackson awesome or is he gonna be awesome i think he's gonna be very good this year he needs to figure out the fouls thing but uh I think he's already pretty good. Uh, Jonas, KV. Um, I don't know. They're they're a very attractive team as well. You know the Grizzlies. I like them. Uh, my pick for Clippers East is the Chicago Bulls. I would like them so much better if they didn't have Boylan as their head coach, though. I like Boylan. You like Boylan? Yeah, I like Boylan. Okay. Back. You, did you read about his thing with the punch clock? No. So Boylan has players clock in when they get when they get to practice. <laughs> they get them clock out. I love that. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. cool. Have you ever had a job where you had to punch in and punch out? I have not. I mean, I've had to record my hours on the timesheet at the end of the week, but I've not had to physically punch a clock. I have had to punch a clock once, and I've had to like log in and out once. Okay. Um, it's powerful, dude. It's powerful energy. Just Lori Markman just smashing clocks in practice. Just, I okay. Would be here. Peter's about to run out of battery. So tell me one thing <laughs> going both ways. What's one player who you think it, who has had like a great first week who you think is for real 
and one player who's had a great first week who is not for real. Great first week for real, Trey Young. Trey Young is awesome. He's yeah. going to continue to be awesome. Um, great first week, not for real, Brandon Ingram. Mm, explain. I just, I just hate watching him. He's the ultimate aesthetic guy for me where, like, I just loathe watching him. It's just so many, like, bullshit mid-range pull-ups that are contested. And, and he's probably decent, but, like, he's been, he's been really good through three games, and I just don't trust it after a sample size of three years that says he's decent, not that much better. Uh, he could be making a leap, but uh, I'm going to hold off on that for a little bit. And I just hate watching him, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig in on Ingram. Um, interesting. I, I'm interested because Kawhi plays a lot of the similar mid-range game. Yeah. And I like when he does that. But I like Kawhi because he, like, bullies people, too. Like, the mid-range is cool, but like, he also just shoves people around because he's so strong. And... The defense is fun to watch when he really gets engaged and just starts knocking balls out of the air. Uh, you know, I think that's more interesting for me to watch than his offense, which honestly, like, he's good on offense, but his game doesn't really excite me very much on offense. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he does have – Ingram does play fairly similar. It's the, the Kobe mid-range uh, shoot with – while contested from, like, 18 feet out with 12 on the shot clock type of yeah. game. You know, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Okay, here's my uh, – I'm pro Josh Hart. Mm. Liked him on the Lakers. Uh, good transition player. That team's going to play a lot of fast basketball. And he's just very capable in that setting. He's kind of a – he's kind of a dunce. <laughs> Um, he's kind of a, a goofball, but, uh, you know, Richard Jefferson played like 15 years in the NBA. Um, who has had a good year so far for a good three games? I don't think is for real. Uh, Devante Graham. Oh, that's a good call. Has been putting up like enormous numbers. He has like six threes and the each of the Hornets first two games I'm a Terry Rozier guy okay Rob and wow you shut, you shut your mouth you shut your mouth Terry Rozier <laughs> Terry Rozier will become a legitimate NBA player this season and uh and Devontae Graham can sit can sit right back down I mean I, I hope Rozier becomes a legitimate NBA player because he's getting paid about 20 million dollars a year correct Correct. And if uh, he doesn't, then, you know. He got the bag. Then then he got the bag. And he'll put it to good. I, I am certain that he'll put it uh, to good causes. I'm, I'm confident that too. Rozier is supposed to be like an awesome dude. So I'll, I'll, I'll root for him. But uh, I think so, that's probably about it. Uh, you, have, you have more? Yes. Yeah, so this is the last feature of the. Of okay. The, okay. How many games. Uh, are the Clippers going to win the NBA Finals in? You have to say, like, how many games? I got, okay. Clippers, I got, I got Clips in five, dude. Clips in five? I'll say six. All right. I say they win in Philadelphia. All right. Well, thanks to everyone who listened this far on our first podcast. Take it out. Uh, 
yeah, thanks for, for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week. Be more disrespect. Uh, lots more casual shit talking and uh, lots more giving props to the Clippers because they're going to win the NBA championship. That's tomorrow, and that is a. be the franchise player and we're in here talking about practice i can't do it i mean how silly is that we'll do it live practice we'll do it live practice do it live i'll write it and we'll do it live not 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 the game that i go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last not the game we're talking about practice, man. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I mean, how silly is that? <laughs>